for he was afraid to look at God. Lord, Father, open our hearts, our minds, and our spirits to be receptive to what you have to say to us in these few destiny moments. Lord, block all, out all distractions, those things that might lead our mind astray, that we might concentrate on your word as it is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Lord, allow your word to push us towards promise and make plain the path of destiny that you've designed for each and every one of us. And Lord, most of all, do not allow us to leave this moment unchanged. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Our thought for this moment is your burning bush. Point at your neighbor and say, what is your burning bush? And my thought for that, the question I have to ask is how do I surrender? What does surrendering look like? What does it look like? What are some of the things that I need to do to show that I have surrendered myself to God? So when we see Moses here, Moses, first of all, one of the first things that he does that we give little notice to in this burning bush episode is that he is already working. He's already working. And what I have found is God tends to call upon those who are already working. Let me say that again. God tends to call upon those who are already working. What I found, even at this church, there are some people that I know that I can depend upon. And a lot of times I call upon them again and again. You know the reason I keep doing it is because I've already seen their work. I know they're hard workers. And I know I can depend upon them to show up. Some people, you can call on them, but they're going to frown and complain the whole time you call upon them. And at some point, you just stop asking. I wish I had help here. Some people seek work. They ask, what can I do? How can I be of service? How can I do something for the kingdom? And those people, you are happy to call upon. And there are those who see work in their face, and they step right over them. You're sweeping, and they step in the middle of your pile. Uh, could you please at least not step in my pile? Can you walk around? <laughs> you see we're working here. Why are you stepping in my pile? There are those people. And then there are those who say this, and they say it, and the only thing they're doing is saying it, is saying, I'll do anything you need me to do, but when you ask them, they're always unavailable. I would, you've heard this before, I would help you, but I've got this, I'm doing that. But what we find here is Moses in the midst of working, and not just for himself, he's working on behalf of his father-in-law, Jethro. He's working in the field. And while he's working in the field, that's when the angel calls upon him. That's when God calls upon him. And maybe the reason you haven't received your call is because you are not working. <laughs> it's rare that God is going to call you in your bed while you're laying there watching television. God calls those who are already working. Even young, even young Samuel was in service to, he had offered his service from, a, from the time he was born to the time that his mother had weaned him. She had promised him to God. And even as a young boy, he had already offered service in the temple because his mother had promised to offer him as service to God. God called him, said, Samuel, Samuel, called upon him even while he was working. So for part of us 
surrendering ourselves to God is submitting ourselves to work. And the first thing, your first work, might not be glamorous. Nobody might call, well, let me give you this, nobody might ever call your name. Let me send a shout out to our media team, even those working today, Brother Micah and Sister uh, Brennan. They're back there working. That was one of my first jobs, was working in the media center. And the only time somebody called my name is if we messed up. <laughs> Nobody at the end of service said, oh, it was a great job, media, media team. They didn't say that. But if, but we always got that, look, we got, we, you got to exercise your necks if we messed up. Because as soon as you messed up, everybody <laughs> turned around to see what you were doing. You never got any credit. And sometimes when you're working for the kingdom, you don't receive credit. Nobody calls your name. Nobody recognizes you. You don't get a special day or a special parking space. But sometimes in that moment, God is trying to test you to see if you're working for glamour or are you working for God? Are you working for recognition or are you working for him? I said the other, I think we were at higher ground and, you know, we were talking about everybody who, who likes the, the, the seats, uh, everybody who likes the glamour, but nobody, nobody's really working, nobody, you don't see anybody's towel anymore. You know, they want the title, but they don't have a towel. What I mean is you, you want the, 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 the seat, you want the recognition, you want... You want someone to say your name, but you don't serve anymore. And we've come to a place where now our children can get instant gratification and glory. They can get on Twitter or Instagram or, or TikTok, and people can know who they are for doing things that really don't matter. And they're so used to seeking that glamour and glory, nobody has a towel anymore. Nobody wants to serve. But see, what God is saying, God is saying, I'm not looking for people with titles. I'm looking for people with tiles. I'm looking for somebody who is willing to serve. And if you're willing to serve, then guess what? God said, I'm already calling your name if you have a tile. I'm not looking for your title because there is no president, doctor, uh, uh, bishop, superintendent, a super, assistant to the superintendent, all of that. None of that's in heaven. I'm looking for people who are willing to serve. And I'm talking about people who will serve when nobody's calling on them, nobody's giving them anything. I'm talking about those are the people who I know are really working for me. And he said, when I see those, those are the people whose name I'm already calling. Stop clamoring for the title and let me see your tile. <laughs> Point at somebody and say, let me see your tile. <laughs> tile is when, when nobody else is watching. Can I see you serve? One of the first things that my father taught us, and there were several of us young ministers who, who had accepted a calling at that time, but one of the first things dad wanted to see, if you want to speak, then start in the shut-in. Show me you can work and you can serve and you can speak when you're not talking to a lot of people, when there's not a glamour, a lot, a lot of glamour. There might not be a, an organist to back you up, but can you show me that you can serve when, it's, when nobody else is really watching? And that's how we learn. We learn. He taught us. He said, instead of looking for that title, why don't you show me your title? And I'll tell you that God will take you to places that you will never imagine if you're willing to serve. 
So Moses was demonstrating, even in our text, his willingness and his desire to serve, even when nobody was calling his name, when nobody was recognizing him. And in fact, at that point of his life, if you remember the story to give you context, Moses was fleeing a murder charge in Egypt. He wasn't trying to get recognized. He wasn't trying to be seen. Moses had gotten to a place in his life that the only thing he wanted was not recognition. He didn't want anybody to call his name. He just wanted to serve. And then when he got to the point where the only thing he wanted to do was serve, that's when God called his name. That's when God appeared to him in the burning bush. God could have appeared to him in Egypt when he was was sitting near the throne, but he didn't call him then. God could have called him after he'd gotten all his education in Egypt, and he was right there in the middle of his people. God did not call him then. God waited to call him when the only thing Moses wanted to do was serve. When that's all he wanted, when that's all he desired, that's all his heart clamored for. I just want to serve God. I'll deal with everything else that comes with it, but I just want to serve God. Because if I'm serving God, I know I'm on the right path. If I'm serving God, I know he will supply all my needs. If I'm serving God, I know I'm punching my ticket to heaven. I don't need all the other accoutrements. All I need is to be in a place where I can serve God. That's all I want. Because if I'm serving him, I'm not worrying about what other people say. And we're going to get to that in a minute. I'm not worried about how other people say, whether they recognize me or talk about me. Either end of the spectrum, it does not matter because all I desire to do is to serve God. All I desire to do is to do his will. I'm seeking. I, we, we, we sing the song, I, I'm chasing after you. That's, that doesn't just mean I'm clapping and raising my hand. That means I'm chasing after God with my service. I'm working as hard as I can to serve the Lord in everything that I do. I'm chasing after him with my heart. I'm chasing after him with my service. I'm doing everything I can to be inside God's will because I just want to serve him. And service extends beyond the church. It extends beyond these walls. It extends beyond Sunday mornings. It extends beyond midweek service. It extends beyond that. Serving God is a daily thing. You ought to serve God while you're on your job. I don't mean break out shouting in the middle of a shift. That's that's foolishness. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about even in how you interact with people. I I heard one of the saddest things I could hear this week. A person came to me and they said um, this particular, I'm not going to even mention their title, but they work in the school system and they said, they don't seem to have a heart for children when they're in school. Then they said, I went to a church and I met this person and they acted totally different. And they learned this person has a church persona and a work persona. Bright Temple, I hope you don't have that. I hope you don't. Because wherever you are, You should be the same person. Wherever you are, you ought to love people and you ought to love God. Wherever you are, you ought to have a heart to serve in the church and you ought to have a heart to serve on your job. You should love people. You should give people grace. You should be tolerant of people. 
If nobody else on your job has patience, you ought to have patience. Because you're Christian, that means you're Christ-like. You need to be more like Jesus and maybe less like your mama. Don't say, well, my, my family, we always had short temper. You're not like your mama anymore. You said you're like Jesus. So we ought to act and behave like Jesus wherever we go. We ought to be the same people. People ought to be able to look at you and know you serve the Lord. They ought to be able to observe and watch you and know you serve God. A lot of times, even at work, I, 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 I can connect with Christians, and they, we won't even say anything, and they, they'll say something like, well, praise God. We're, there is a connection there because you ought to be the same person in this pew that you are when you're on your job. I shouldn't come visit you at work and you know, one of your coworkers say, well, I don't know what mood she's in today. You might, you might not want to talk to her. I shouldn't be embarrassed to talk to your supervisor when we're talking about how you act and your personality because you ought to be the same person. I'm serious. That, that person is not a member of this church, not even somebody I knew before that conversation, but that hurt me to my heart to think that there are people who sit in the pew and act one way and then go to work and act another way. Christian, being a Christian is a 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week thing. You can't, you can't put it down. You, you can punch in and out of work, but you can't punch in and out of being a Christian. That should always be who you are. You should be kind here, and you should be kind at work. And if you're not kind here, then I'm really worried about you. Because if you mean... In, in church. <laughs> I can't imagine how mean you are <laughs> when you step out. But wherever we are as Christians, we ought to have the same behavior, the same attitude. We ought to treat our brothers and our sisters with kindness, with love, with compassion. And we ought to extend to them the same amount of grace that we extend to ourselves. Because you give yourself a lot of grace. You do. You give yourself a lot of grace. You mess up you give yourself grace in 30 seconds. Well, the Lord knew my heart. Some of y'all have said that. Lord knew my heart. And then you over it. You've you're, you're forgotten about it. But somebody could do the same thing to you that you did, and you hold on to it. I t I'm not talking to her. Did she talk to me? She didn't apologize. We can't, this relationship can't go on until she apologizes to me. But, but you gave yourself grace and did the same thing, but now you're going to punish them because they didn't apologize. Extend to other people the same amount of grace that you extend to yourself and be the same Christian on Sunday, Monday through Saturday. Amen. <laughs> what, what, what Moses was doing here, Moses, we, we, we find him here at the burning bush. God, he has recognized, God called him while he was working because of his service, because of his work to God. God calls him out of the burning bush. But actually, if you read the text closely, it's not that God calls him out of the burning bush. He allows the bush to burn but not be consumed. And while that is happening, Moses recognizes that there is something special that is happening here. And in recognizing your own personal burning bush, sometimes God carves out moments in our lives where he wants us to stop. He wants us to think. And he wants us to look at what he's trying to do, 
to listen to what he's trying to say to us in that moment. And a lot of times, we, these, these times might come out of adversity. And in the middle of this adversity, we don't recognize that God is trying to speak. Maybe God let them come get your car so that you'd sit still long enough to listen to what he's trying to say. Maybe God allowed you to be laid off of that job so that you'd listen long enough to see what he's trying to say. Maybe he allowed this financial, this overwhelming financial situation to come into your life and you were recognizing, I don't know what I, I can do. And maybe God allowed that so that you'd sit still long enough to recognize that I'm trying to speak. I think the, I forgot the lady's name. You'll tell me after I say it, but in, in, uh, in, in the movie, uh, The Color Purple, she said maybe God's trying to tell you something. She walked in singing it. But maybe that's what's happening. Maybe the adversity in this still moment in my life right now is God trying to take an opportunity to tell me something, to speak to me, because sometimes you get so busy, you're not listening. Life comes at you fast, and maybe you're not listening. You're so busy doing things. You're so busy working. I, I got to do this. I got to do that. I, I, I got to get to work. I got to get my kids to school. I got I to gotta buy school supplies. I got to pick my kids up from, from sports. I, I, I got to go buy them some clothes. I got to get me some new clothes. And, I, and, and in the, as life is coming at you so fast, maybe God has to create a moment so that you will listen while he's speaking. Because God doesn't stop speaking. As long as you're living, God is speaking. The question is, are we listening? And I need you to get that no matter how, how as, as our bishop says, as, no matter how chronologically mature you are, as long as you're living, God is speaking. So the question is simply, are we listening to what God has to say? Because he's talking to us. And this is, a, I, don't raise your hand, but I want you to think on this for a moment. When's the last time I was still enough to hear God speaking? When was the last time that I was still enough to hear God speaking? Maybe you're not still enough. Sometimes you just need to stop. If you stop for a moment. God is trying to speak to you because the problem is, like I said, that's why adversity comes sometimes. Sometimes adversity comes to make you stop. Maybe you're in the hospital because that's the only way God could stop you. Because if he didn't send you to the hospital or allow you to go, you wouldn't have stopped. Maybe he's trying to tell you something. Maybe you're laid up in your house for a reason, for a purpose. Maybe that's the only way that God could stop you. Maybe you were laid off the job because the job had become more important than God, and God needed to stop you to get your attention. God is speaking. Are we being still enough to listen to what he's saying? 
So Moses was working, he's working, and he's tending to the sheep. And then all of a sudden, he, he notices there is a, a bush that is burning, but, but, but it's, it's not being consumed. It's not, it's not burning up. The, the, the branches are still there, even though it is on fire. And Moses recognizes the moment, and I'm trying to teach somebody right now, in these things that happen in your life, even the adverse times, maybe God just needs you to recognize the moment. Because the bush, if you look at the order here in the text, the bush, no voice came from the bush until Moses stopped. I want you to get that. Because some of you may have had a burning bush situation occur in your life and you kept on walking. So the bush never spoke because you did not stop. When Moses recognized the moment the bush is burning, it's not consumed. Maybe I need to stop. Maybe I need to be still. And maybe I need to look at what's happening right now. Your burning bush might be your car breaking down. Maybe I need to stop. Maybe I need to look. And maybe I need to ask God, what is happening right now? God, what are you trying to tell me out of this? Because I don't understand. But instead of just saying that bad things are happening to me and, and getting down and, and, and crying and having a pity party, maybe it's my time to inquire of God. Maybe God has a higher purpose for me. Maybe I need to listen to what he's trying to say in this moment. Lord, I don't understand, but in this moment, I just need to understand. I need you to tell me. What are you trying to say to me in this moment? And when Moses stopped and when Moses looked and when he recognized the moment, then the bush spoke and said, Moses, 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 making clear to you that I, I, I'm talking to you. I'm not talking to anybody else, but I'm talking to you, and I need you to get this because some of you come for a word on Sunday, and I'm giving you sometimes what may be considered a general logos, a general word. And every now and then, you might get that rhema word, that word that is specific to you. But I'm telling you all the time, when God speaks to you, he's not saying bright temple. He's calling you by your name. He's saying, Moses, Moses. I'm not talking to anybody else. I'm talking specifically to you. And if you will stop and if you will look and if you'll recognize the moment I came to tell you, God is calling your name. He's calling your name. And the songwriter said, yeah, I've messed up. I, I've done wrong in my past and I've made a lot of mistakes and, and I've been sinful and I've done wrong in the sight of God. But despite all of the things that I've done wrong, he's still calling, still calling my name. And I don't care where you are in your life or what you've done. I'm coming to tell you because you're alive, because you're still breathing, God is still calling your name. Say that with me. Say, God is still calling my name. He's still calling. He's still calling. He's calling my name. And he's calling my name, if nothing else, to let me know that it's not over. 
Whatever I've suffered with, whatever I'm struggling with, whatever I'm going through, it's not over. He's calling my name, and, and sometimes he's calling me out of something that I don't see my way out of. Talk to me. Lazarus, Lazarus was wrapped up, laid down for dead, and Jesus said, Lazarus, Lazarus. When everybody else thought that the situation was over, they thought Lazarus had breathed his last breath. He'd spoken his last word. He'd seen his last day. Jesus called his name Lazarus. Lazarus. Though Lazarus were dead, Jesus called his name to let him know that it's not over. And forever anybody is in this place who thought that your favor was over, who thought that God had left you, that God was no longer speaking to you, that God no longer was considering you, that God was no longer blessing you, I'm calling your name right now to let you know that he's still calling, he's still calling your name. So Moses turns aside, and, 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 and the bush instructs him. He says, don't get too close because the space that you're on is holy ground. And, and, and Moses releases his sandals and, and, and get down, gets down on his knees because he recognizes that he's in a holy place. And then as he begins to give reverence to the moment, that's when God gives him instruction. That's when God, and some of you are waiting on instructions, but you didn't stop. Some of you are waiting on instructions, but you didn't look. Some of you are waiting on instructions, but you didn't recognize the moment. But God said, I'm calling your name. And when you stop, and when you look, and when you listen, he said, I'll give you your instructions. I'm going to close here with this. When we get to this moment, Moses gets on his knees. God gets him, gives him the instructions. And you know what Moses does? He said, he, as God tells him, I need, I've come for the purpose of you being the leader to deliver my people. Moses said, but Lord, I, 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 don't, I, I, I don't talk very good. I don't talk very good. And you know how he found out he didn't talk very good? It's because he had to listen to other people. And he noticed that he didn't talk like they talk. So he heard that he couldn't talk well. He got that perspective from other people. Oh, I, you you got to watch what you listen to. Because the problem isn't what they say to you. I want you to get this. It's what you say to yourself. So I'm watching what other people say about me because what I don't need to do is repeat the words of what other people say to myself. People can say, you won't be nothing, but as long as you don't look in the mirror and say, I won't be nothing. Oh, people can say, you're not enough, but as long as you don't get in the mirror and say, I'm not enough. It's not what other people say. It's what you say to yourself. Point at your neighbor and say, watch what you say to yourself. Watch what you say to yourself. 
Because sometimes you might be surrounded by people who are saying things that don't line up with what God told you. But, but, but I have, I'm not worried about what you're saying. I, I'm worried about what I say to my, I wish y'all were in here with me, what I say to myself. Talk to me, Elijah. Elijah said, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. I'm not worried about what anybody else is saying. I've heard what God told me, so I'm not going to repeat in my own ears the doubt of other people I have to watch what I say to myself come here sister Yolanda sister Yolanda's on her way up while, while, I'm, while she's on her way up I want you to think about a man named Jim Abbott Jim Abbott is a professional baseball player stay right there right there sister Yolanda he's a professional baseball player that played in the major leagues for 14 years. During the 14 years, the special thing about Jim Abbott is that he pitched. He was a major league baseball pitcher, but he only had one arm. Can you imagine with one arm, he's telling his coaches, I'm going to be in the major leagues one day. And they laughed at him. He's, his college coaches, he said, I'm going to be in the majors one day. They're going to probably say, Jim, you're pretty good, but you're not going to be able to pitch with one arm. Because, see, the thing is, it's not just the pitching. You also have to catch it. So Jim would hold his glove in his little limb, his little limb, and he would pitch. He would get the glove out, catch the ball, put the glove back in the little limb, and pitch. See, the thing is, while you're imagining a one-armed man pitching, I want you to know somewhere along the line, Jim stopped listening to people who were talking on the outside. And Jim said, I got to watch what I say to myself. I am a major leader. I am a pitcher. And why they say I can't, I'm just going to keep on Sister Yolanda. Sister Yolanda told me she's about five foot two with her hair. She's probably about five foot three. Now, some of y'all probably think Steph Curry is short if you look at him on the basketball court. Steph Curry is two inches taller than I am, and he still looks short because everybody else is taller than he is. I want to tell you about a young man named Muggsy Bowes. Yeah. Muggsy Bogues was five foot three. I want y'all to get that. He was five foot three. I'm six foot. She's five three. You see how small she looks. And I told you on an NBA basketball court, I look short because those guys are six five, six ten, seven foot tall. But Muggsy Bogues said, I'm going to play professional basketball. Y'all give Sister Yolanda a hand. He's five foot three. Five foot three. A lot of you all are taller than he is. And he told his coaches, I'm going to play professional basketball. They were like, Muggsy, you're pretty good, man. But, but let me explain something to you. How are you going to shoot over somebody who's a foot taller than you are? Muggsy said, they can't keep up with me dribbling. 
He said, I'm going to dribble right by and I'm going to get to the cup. I'm letting you know that he said all of those coaches had something to say. All of his family had something to say. All of his teammates who didn't make it to the NBA had something to say. But Marxist said, I'm not worried about what they're saying. I'm worried about what I say and I say I'm tall enough. I say I'm good enough. I say I have enough skills. And I say I'm going to make it. And I need somebody who say I'm going to make it. No matter what's going on, I'm going to make it. No matter what other people say, I'm going to make it. No matter what stands against me, I'm going to make it. I dare somebody say I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. I'm going to give you one more as we close. There's a young man named Casey Martin. And the interesting thing is Brother Wilkie Buchanan has a brother who's just like this. Brother Casey Martin, he had one leg. One leg. And he said, I'm going to be a golfer. With one leg. He said, I'm going to be a golfer. And people probably looked at him and thought, man, you, you must be losing your mind. He said, I'm going to be a professional golfer. And people were probably just saying, I, they were probably nice about it. And you got to worry about people who are nice about it. It's not the people who, you, who hate you. It's the people who smile on your face and say you're not going to make it. I wish I, I wish I, you know why those people, you got to worry about those people? Because you let those people get close to you. I want you to get that. The people who don't like you, they don't get close enough to really get in your mind. But the people who smile at you, you'll let them in close. You'll let them in the inner circle. And they'll say things, they'll pat your head and say, baby, I know you mean well. I know you think you can. But I, I, I say this out of love. I don't think you can do it. I don't think you can make it. I don't think you can be that. But again, no matter how close they are to you, it's not what they say to you. It's what you say to yourself. And when you get in the mirror, as soon as you get in the mirror, the next time you're in the mirror, I want you to say to yourself, I am the head and not the tail. I am above and not beneath. I'm a lender and not a borrower. I'm more than a conqueror through him that loved us. I am enough. And I'm going to make it. Oh, I want you to profess that to three people. Look at them. Say, I am enough, and I'm going to make it. I am enough, and I'm going to make it. I am enough, and I'm going to make it. Hallelujah. Come on, put those hands together and give God some praise. Hallelujah. 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 Heavenly Father, Lord, you taught us to understand that even when we are weak, we are strong through you.
because it's not I, but it's the Christ that worketh in me. Lord, instruct us, even as we surrender to you, in how we must speak to our own selves. The things we say in the mirror may be more prophetic than anything else that we hear. Lord, we not often are not what we're meant to be, but rather, Lord, we're often what we say to our own selves. Help us in our faith to speak higher, to recognize that you're with us in everything, to recognize, Lord, that you're speaking to us. And if we'll just listen, Lord, you'll give us instructions on how to go forward. You'll give us instructions on how to succeed. You'll give us instructions that let us know you've already equipped us for what is ahead. And Lord, we claim these instructions. We claim these blessings. And Lord, we claim these strategies and plans to do exactly what you've called us to do. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, put those hands together and give God some praise. For those of you who've been watching us virtually, we pray that you will continue to live by faith. Watch what you say to yourself and believe God for your blessing until we shall see you again. I hope and pray that each of you were touched and inspired by our service today. If you wish to partner with us, you can do so by... Giveify. Download the app on Apple Store or Google Play and search for Bright Temple. If you wish to partner with us on Cash App, just look for Bright Temple in the two line. And in the four line, tell us the purpose of your gift. If you would rather mail your gift, you can mail us at Bright Temple, Post Office Box 453, Shelbyville, Tennessee, 37162. Thanks in advance for your generosity and we pray God's blessings on you and your gift.